Hi, Mark. Hey, Juanita, how are you today? I'm good. Where are you coming from today? Today, I'm in uh, I'm in downtown Millmerran again. So I've uh, had yesterday Millmerran. Yes, it's uh, I'm sure everyone knows where that is. Very famous place. I and uh, <laughs> yesterday it was uh, Gundawindi or Gundawindi or Gundawindi as uh, everyone calls it. <clears throat> so uh, yesterday Gundawindi uh, and uh, doing a whole lot of work based on uh, the presentation I did there last week, which was really, uh, really rewarding that a number of people sort of uh, got value out of the day. And, and so here we are helping them with their uh, their family succession planning. But um, what about yourself? Fantastic. You're down, downtown Brisbane? <laughs> downtown Brisbane CBD. I wish I had a <laughs> lovely view for you, but I do not. <laughs> well, you know, that guy behind you in the window, you know. <laughs> Let's hope There's they no keep it there. nice and nice and tidy yeah, in those windows behind me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's great mm -hmm. to have everyone here today. As uh, as usual, we're talking about all things estate uh, and succession, uh, and uh, and hopefully you're getting some real value out of some of the topics we're discussing here. And and um, at the risk of of flogging a dead horse, Juanita, you know, when I look at it, uh, gun to windy, and when we're talking about gun scent here, um, that was. That was a joke for the day. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. The the issue was it just kept coming up time and time again was the issue of communication in uh, estate and succession planning. And I know that just gets raised, so I thought I'd pull it out right at the start. Uh, that was that was what everyone was conversing about was how important it was to have uh, great communication within the family. And uh, you know, when the people in the audience were talking about uh, their experiences. Uh, all came down to uh, lack of communication or bad con bad communication. But uh, uh, today I thought, uh, uh, seeing um, here I am out in Milmarin while you're sitting safely in Brisbane, I thought I'd just ask you some dear Dorothy Dix questions. And the first one I wanted to ask you was, how do you uh, how do you create an incontestable will? So you, you're going to put me on the spot again this week. So I must have done well last <laughs> week, hey? When I didn't get any you did, preparation right. So I figure you, you do better with our preparations. Again. Okay. So so what was the question? So how do you make an incontestable will? Yes. Can can you sorry, can you yeah. make a an incontestable will? Yeah, the short answer is no, but <laughs> but there are um, <laughs> I had to ask. yeah, of course well no is the is the answer, but um, there are strategies uh, that we can use to make the risk um, the risk less and less of someone contesting and if they do of being successful. And no doubt we'll be going and having a bit of a chat about those strategies. But you, the, law, the law says if someone is eligible to contest a will and that's a spouse, a child or a dependent, then they can. And you can't contract out of that. You can't um, put a clause in your will which says that you don't want it. That is the law. Um, but the next step is they may be eligible, but whether they are successful or not is the, is the question. And and as you well know, Mark, there are things that we can put in place to um, minimise the likelihood of them being successful should an eligible person contest your will. Wow, that was a lot of words, but I think I understood them all. So so <laughs> let, let's you're talking about eligible people and contestable wills. Yeah. So. Um, 
you know, it seems more and more, and I've told this story before, you know, when I checked into a hotel last year down in Dubbo, turned on the TV and there was the ad, you know, dial 1-800-contest-the-will, contest sort of, you know, mm -hmm. have you been aggrieved? Are you a beneficiary of an estate? Do you think you should have more money and all that sort of stuff? And so, you know, others in your profession at the other the other end are uh, uh, making a living out of, out of contesting contesting estates because in many cases the fees come out of the uh, not not in all cases I know you've explained that but many times they come out of the uh, the pool of assets so to speak so um, what are the strategies that that you think work and I'll give you some of the ones I think as well but what are the strategies you think work in regard to minimizing the chance of, of successfully contesting uh, what yeah. what someone has said they want to happen yeah well the first one you've already touched on haven't you and um, I was very interested to hear that your um, participants in your workshop brought up communication because we we joke about it, but we we have we have that word has come up in every single week, no matter what topic we've talked about. So um, it's it's not a joke; it's actually obviously a reality out there, um, you know, in in our client land. So um, it, having the, the communication and the conversations prior to someone dying can help people understand why they've left their estate or their will the way that um, they have. Uh, and although it's not going to stop someone um, necessarily contesting a will, it can go a long way to taking some of the uh, anger and resentment perhaps out um, or, or uh, bewilderment or not knowing why someone's left it that way. So I'm sure you've got some good examples of that, Mark, where, um, you know, it's not going to necessarily resolve it, but it will go a long way into in helping um, that situation. Uh, look, absolutely. I've, I've had, um, the reason I bought the first was I've had um, two, two conversations this week with uh, children uh, where uh they were asking questions about how they contest the will if they're not happy with what mum and dad have left for them yeah. now if, if we wind this backwards i mean it, it goes right back and i think next week um what we'll do is we'll talk about my gratitude conversation i have with uh with children of clients in regard to um you know come mm. on guys let's uh, let's let's really think about this because what your parents are talking about is actually leaving you a gift and seriously, you're like you know, you're standing up saying, "Oh, I want, I want, I want." Remember mm. that 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 an estate is is an opportunity for a parent or friend or whoever to gift something to you. Is is that is that correct? It's a gift, isn't it? That so, is correct. Aspiration, yes. not expectation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, I yeah. get sometimes absolutely bemused when uh, people front up with an absolute expectation and an entitlement mm. attitude. So hence why I've created this uh, gratitude conversation. And as I say, let's put that to the side. I'll, I'll go through that with you uh, with you next week. But no, I had I, I had someone this week that uh, rang me, uh, a son of a client, and it used every, uh, I think there was a couple of words I hadn't actually heard before, rude, rude words I hadn't heard before. But, but they basically said, if my parents don't give me what, uh, what I think I'm entitled to, I'm going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to sue their backsides and contest the will, and I just thought, well, what a what a sad sad mm -hmm. situation. Number one, and how unfortunate that the relationship between a child and a parent was so diminished. Uh, but but I mean, the bottom line was, um, you know, it's still my role to try and create an environment when I'm talking to the uh, uh, to the parents, uh, and I can't betray the confidence of what the children mm -hmm. have said to me. But, but it's my role to try and make sure that. 
uh, the will is as fair as it possibly can be so that there is no, uh, whilst they may still choose to contest the will, the, the likelihood of it succeeding is, is um, close, close enough to zero. And that's why I ask, is there such a thing as an incontestable will? And I guess what I'm really saying is, sure, they can all be contested, but how do you minimise the opportunity for anyone yeah. to ever successfully contest the will? Yeah. And so to elaborate a bit further on that, um, the... I guess the, the the goal you're trying to achieve is to minimise the assets in your estate. Um, that if someone does contest your will, that will that pool of assets will be exposed. So how do we do that? So this is what I mean when I say there are strategies we can use. So um, some examples are, are one jointly owned assets. So um, when one person, uh, when two people own an asset together, for example, a property is joint tenants or a bank account jointly, and one of them dies, the other becomes the sole owner. Um, that asset doesn't go through the deceased person's will. So that works okay when you've got a married couple, for example, but it's still a little bit problematic um, because when the second person dies, then that's no longer jointly owned, obviously. So it, it can work in some situations, um, but looking ahead in the future, it's not necessarily um the the you know the, the best strategy um to fix that problem permanently um other strategies we can use are trusts use of trusts particularly outside the estate so if you hold assets in a trust uh when you pass away those assets uh remain owned by that trust they don't form part of your individual assets that you leave in a will uh what you need to deal with is the control of that trust uh, which is something you can do in your will, and that's the that's the key. That's very important. However, those assets will start. Here's my little puppet hands again. Those assets will stay in that trust uh, and and won't form your your pool of assets that could be contested if someone contests. Um, so, and there, there's sort of two examples uh, that you know that that um, can achieve the goal of minimising the assets in your estate. So, if someone does contest it, there is less to fight over, I guess. Well, the other thing is, uh, for, for some parents, they could gift the assets out away, couldn't they, before before That's their death? Right. And uh, there's some strategies there, aren't there, in regard to um, uh, where people don't have a lot of uh, assets, or they have some assets, and they they are looking towards uh, getting social security in their retirement. They can actually gift their their assets away to a child who's going to take over the property, for example, and uh, that will over. Is, is there something about a five year? You're the, you're the smart one yeah. here. There's a five-year period, is that right? So gifting is definitely an option. Of course, that is before you die. But uh, you really need to do so cautiously with the right advice because there are um, there are sometimes unintended implications of gifting, such as uh, stamp duty, such as capital gains tax implications, such as effects on your um, potential Centrelink entitlements. Uh, and as you mentioned, there are clawback provisions that can apply for some years after. So uh, these are things which may detract from that being um, a viable option for some people. So definitely uh, a potential strategy, but uh, it must come with the right fulsome advice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely. Look, getting back to the actual point, which was... Uh you know, communication and, uh, you know, how do you minimise the chance of someone contesting a will? Uh, we'll come back again and say it's all about having conversations, isn't it? And uh, uh, it's all about you know, making sure that 
there is a communication between the parents and the children, assuming mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're talking about parents and the children. And, and you know, we're, we're doing a lot of um, quizzes uh, with clients at the moment, moment uh, asking a lot of questions. And uh, whenever we can, we get them to rate what are the most important things in regard to their own situation with estate and succession planning. And I'm just going to tell you over, you know, out of, uh, out of seven, seven questions we use, uh, there's, there's about 50 to 60% come back uh, as communication between the generations. In other words, uh, 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 bad, bad communication between the, uh, uh, the generations. And the next highest one is conflict between generations. In other words, uh, you know, dad's run the farm his way mm -hmm. for the last 40 years. Johnny's come along, who's 32, 33. He's been away to college. He's got all these new ideas. Uh, you know, there's new things they can do in regard to testing soil and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, Dad says, well, you know, we didn't do it that way before. So there's conflict. Uh, but, but also yeah. because, of the because of the unknowns, because, you know, little Johnny, Johnny doesn't know whether, you know, the 20 years he spent on the farm means that he'll have an opportunity to either buy it off Dad or take it over one day because Dad doesn't know how to have that, that conversation. So... Uh, if you want to look at contesting a, a will, if Johnny's worked there for 20 years and his, uh, his other brother hasn't done any work on the farm and, and dad splits the money down the middle to the two boys if mum and dad go, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there, there's actually a reason why you would contest a will. So, yeah, and I, I was thinking as you were talking that there's also conflict sometimes between siblings. This is not always uh, the yes. generation, right? It's, it's between the siblings and those sort of examples that you just gave are quite... Um, specifically and quite common uh, in these days with rural families. It's certainly um, nothing unusual that you described that made me fall off the chair. It's actually a quite um, common challenge that we're seeing um, yeah. from our clients. Yeah. Um, a couple of points I thought would be worth adding uh, were um, just one strategy that I didn't mention that is um, a useful tool to protect your assets from being contested potentially. Uh, and I won't go into too much complication, but it's basically creating debt, a debt between another entity. So um, you, you might have heard this, the terminology of a gift and loan back or an equity transfer strategy. And by, um, by creating uh, a debt that you owe to another entity, then that needs to be paid out basically before you die. And, and again, that can reduce your asset pool. So that's just another, another little strategy that, uh, you know, that your advisor can give you an, an option about. Um, I did want to add about a little bit more about contesting wills because, uh, you know, we've said that that um, that the type of person that's eligible and you can't stop them being eligible. And I did say whether they're successful or not uh, is another story. And so it's a misconception that if someone contests the will, they will get something. Uh, that is just simply not correct because uh, whether they get something or not, <laughs> it is good. Um, whether they get something or not um, is considered in a two-stage question. The first of all is if uh, were they left with adequate provision in the will, yes or no, and if they weren't, then what provision should they get? And in answering that second question, um, the court, I will say, however, most of these matters never ever get to court. They're usually um, settled well before that if or dismissed if it's a frivolous claim. But the court would look at things like, um, first of all, what need does that person have? So what is their financial situation? Do they have any um, financial needs, medical needs? 
Who do they support? Are they supported by anyone else? What does their spouse earn? Uh, what other beneficiaries were in the will? How big is the estate? What was their relationship like with the deceased person? Did they help that person emotionally or financially? So uh, all of these things are looked at in its entirety to come to a, a, a view as to what that person should, if anything, um, get if they were to contest a will. So you can see that it's it's, it's not a formula. It's not straightforward. Um, every every situation is different. But, um, yeah, not everyone will be successful. Not every child wins a prize. Nor should they. No, that's right. Actually, it's an interesting concept, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, and I'll come back to the comment again, it's a gift. Uh, an estate distribution is the opportunity for a... Uh, uh, for a person to gift, you know, money or things to someone they care about and they want to gift mm -hmm. to, and uh, mm -hmm. in some ways it's it's interesting, isn't it, that um, uh, you know I can have full intention that I want to distribute my wealth this way and that way, mm -hmm. and um, and yet that that can be contested. It's it's, uh, it's kind of weird in some ways, but yeah, and you probably need protection. And I guess the you know without getting into boring history, like the the historical concept of that is that a a, a person has some sort of moral obligation to their spouse and their child. Uh, sure. However, um, that changes over time. In that an adult child, for example, who's financially independent um, and you know may not have not may not have any need, is completely different to, for example, a minor child who obviously hasn't got the ability to earn and has a lot of years that needs maintenance. Sure. So. Um, that sort of moral obligation becomes less and less yep. and less as, as the um, the family member gets older, I, I guess. So, um, yeah, a lot of people say, well, what, what's the point of doing a will then? And that's a whole other topic. I think we've done that before. But, <laughs> we've um, done that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, uh, good point. Uh, one of the things that I've uh, found and uh, uh, to the to the clients I've dealt with more recently, uh, it's pretty much been exactly the same situation. Mum, dad, uh, they have a property. They have one property, uh, very very little assets outside the property. Two children, in fact, in both these cases, two children, um, and uh, only one child can take over the farm, uh, and yet the other one is still very interested in wishing to take over the farm as well if they had an opportunity and and. You can have all the logical conversations in regard to the zoning room, and and there is in all these cases. There's only uh, the farm only just supports one family, which raises another issue in regard to how do you look after mum and dad for the next twenty years as well. But assuming mum and dad had passed away last night, and there's two children, one farm, uh, and both have an interest, and in, one may have worked on it for two years, and the other one's off at uni or something like that, and hasn't had the chance yet. So. Um, now, these are the sorts of things that I'm brought into yeah. uh, to help help people resolve more and more, more and more often. Uh, but I'd, I'd really like your opinion, and I'm putting you on the spot here. I know in regard to, you know, from your experience, how do the, these sorts of things best get resolved so that the second child, whether it's a boy and a or a girl, doesn't 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 matter. Um, you know, how do you uh, how do these things best get resolved so that at the end of the day you can create fairness between both children? You're never going to create financial fairness. How do you how do you create fairness so that there's no animosity and no fighting, contesting wills and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a super tough one, isn't it? Because I mean, but it's a real practical situation, and 
You know, I think there are really, um, in reality, a few options here. Um, one is that the, the children would inherit that property jointly. But as we know, that that comes with so many difficulties and practicalities that we would not normally recommend that. And uh, in very few situations have we seen that work successfully because even with the best of intentions, um, two children or two families um, farming or working or sharing a, a property is just a little bit of a recipe for disaster when it comes down to the nitty-gritty. So um, they, get they get married one day, don't they? They do. The, the, they do. the children get married, and that's where that's mostly when the problem starts. Yeah. And people have different views about how to run a business too. So you know, it's, sure, it's tough. Sure. It's absolutely tough. Um, the next option is to sell the property, of course, sell the business, sell the property, and split the proceeds. Um, clean, but I totally get that. That there's a lot of emotional attachment too that comes with. You know, some of these properties have been in in um, families for generations, and that is the wish um, ongoing. So, um, you know, that's also not always a viable option. Um, and likewise, it's, it's sometimes, um, you know, a great opportunity to give a child a, a, a start-up in business or that child might be particularly interested in that business. So um, that would be a pity to lose that opportunity for that child too. So, you know, definitely selling and liquidating is an option, but um, for those reasons, sometimes not a very palatable option, which, uh, you know, we, we, we lawyers totally get. We're not all cold-blooded, you know. I do, I do <laughs> have the emotion uh, behind that. Um, I, you know, I think probably the most practical uh, solution, if it's possible, is uh, where one child potentially gets the, uh, the, the farming or the business assets and the other child may get other assets, for example, outside the estate, such as superannuation and life insurance, perhaps. So, um, you know, with an estate, we can certainly appropriate assets, which means uh, direct them to different people uh, in the proportions that were left in the will. So, you know, that's a, that's certainly a viable option. Um, that all depends on what's in the estate, doesn't it, and how big the estate is. Uh, and there's ways we can deal with that. For example, the, the child that, that may inherit the, the farming property um, may come to some arrangement where he pays back the sibling, he or she, there I go, uh, she or he may pay back that sibling over a number of years. But at the same time, we don't want that child to be burdened with debt for the next 10, 20 years. Um, and often the, the farming properties will be the ones that carry a bit of debt with them. So, um you know, you really have to, I think, talk through what the end goal of the client is, of the, the parents, uh, and give them some of those possibilities and nut it out how that can best work for um, the children if that is the case that they're trying to benefit. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, in some cases there's more than two children and uh, and really the property uh, can sometimes be the only asset, the, the property and mm. the stock and, uh, and equipment and so on. And so you can you can't give a property without the equipment to run it and if there's no cattle on there then it's pointless anyway so and and it probably has debt as well so you're right the strategies in regard to you know over the next 10 years uh you know you might pay the other sibling an amount of money uh you know if there's life insurance super all, the, all those things are ab absolutely right but the the other issue is i guess and i've really just stumbled on this at the moment and because all these a lot of these people i'm talking to at the moment there's very little money in the farming business or the or the grazing business and 
And I guess the truth is it's because uh, there's been three, four really bad years and droughts in a lot of these areas out here. And so they've become accustomed to the fact that there's no money, they're not making any money, they're not making any headway with the debt. And so they see this doom and gloom ahead. But in, in reality, that they could die in a car accident last night. The kid takes over and in the next five years, it's lush green pastures and fat cows and uh, and so on. And, and the kid could end up making a gazillion dollars and the, and the poor other child in, ends up, uh, you know, with with whatever pittance was was in the insurance right. or you know the house in town or, or something like that so it, it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy thing to pull together because you're right, you don't want to create a commitment on the one on the farm just in case the next 10 years are all droughts um yeah so you know it's a hard one yeah. to toss up and, and sometimes no, you, could potentially create, you could potentially connect that sort of um payment with um profit i suppose you know depending on what profit is generated perhaps that triggers some some sort of contribution or, or um, payments, um, but then you know then you want to be clear about how that's calculated so you don't have you know, people fudging the accounts to get out of obligations. So um, yeah, really tricky. I needed to go first class to Acapulco to attend an agricultural conference with my five best just to bring the just to bring the profit down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's right. But I mean, it's, uh, look, absolutely. But it, but it's just a topical issue at the moment because I seem to be striking a whole lot of people where, you know, the farm really is enough only for one person and they've got more than one child. And and, and a lot of times there's a whole emotional connection with the uh, with the property. You know, it's been a family for 40 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever. And they, you know, they, they don't want to lose that connection with the family. Uh, yeah. the, the, other, the other point... Uh, Tours, of course, uh, has gone totally out of my mind, and um, so you know, well, I, I had something I really good. I was going to tell you. I, I think you know, as you can see, these practical problems, are, or well, they are challenges. There's no doubt about it, depending on the circumstance of the client. But I think um, they are best dealt with well in advance because it's it's when yeah. you don't have you don't talk through these things that we've just been talking through in the last 15 minutes, the different possibilities and the different challenges. But you can leave a real big fat mess behind if something happened to you last night and you didn't have you didn't have you hadn't had this thought process. I hadn't had this conversation. Um, imagine, yeah. uh, imagine that. Like imagine not. You know, we might have raised something today that you hadn't thought of. Um, I and hope imagine, so, yeah. yeah, and imagine the people left um, behind trying to work through that. It would certainly be very messy. So, um, that I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is that this. These challenges are not insurmountable, but they are best dealt with now, the sooner the better. So you can plan ahead uh, and have these conversations such as you do, Mark, with the family and plan ahead financially um, for what you want to leave when you do pass away in the future. Yeah. And and at the risk of uh, being repetitive, I mean, at the end of the day, it just comes back to communication again. And and, uh, and here, here's the positive thing. So I'm going to tell you what I've determined out of uh, these people that I've been talking to over the last last few weeks is that even though you can't be equal in any form in fact you can't in a lot of cases even be fair like there's uh, you know there's a there's a big gap between equal and fair two things come out of it and that is if you have the conversation and everyone talks about this the second person has the opportunity to get on with their life and do their own stuff anyway which is what you'd want for any of your kids anyways is the ability to be able to go out independently and and create their future and create their wealth and 
and so on. So the not knowing is what kills most people. You know, the, the not knowing is what causes most of the grief and aggravation and arguments. So, so having this conversation now, saying, you know, Harry, you're going to get um, you know, Fred, you're, you're going to have to go away and do your own thing. Everyone can get on with their life. So, you know, you've you've created, um, uh, you've, you know, you you've you've helped because then there's no expectation from the second guy that he's ever going to get it and he can get on with his life and, and may well become even more successful than the guy that ended up with the farm. And the second thing is um, most of these people, when they hand a farm to, to one child, that child's going to hold on to that farm and pass it on to the next generation anyway. They, mm. They're going to pass it on to their children. So it's not like you've just said, hey, Harry, here's $10 million. It's like, hey, Harry, here's an opportunity for you to have a lifestyle, to live on the family farm, to get on with your life, do the things you love doing. We're not really giving you money. We're giving you the chance to go out there and work your backside off and, and in good years you'll, you'll do okay and in bad years you're going to struggle like hell. So, uh, you know, be, because they're keeping it and passing on to the next generation, it's it's not like they're giving them cash. So in a lot of cases, somebody getting $2 million cash could even be a better deal, like $2 million worth of properties where they're getting rental income, could be a better deal than a $10 million uh Probably with $3 million worth of debt, so $7 million. Seven million geared, worrying about droughts, floods and fires could be better than $2 million. Sorry, $2 yeah. million cash could be, could be better than something you're just going to hand on to your kids anyway. So, yeah, it's a bit of a jigsaw puzzle and we have a really good product called a distribution matrix, which I know you've seen, Mark, where we particularly handy when there's multiple children in a family and, you know, we list all the assets and have a column with each child and the values and the debt and then you can get to a, um, you know, the tax implications perhaps and you, you can get to a position where you see roughly, well, not roughly, exactly, what each child would be inheriting um, and you can play around with that a bit if you're not comfortable with that share, et cetera. So it's really handy, especially for people that are visual, um, to see that that product we have. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, our time's up today. Juanita, thank you. We, we uh, did a great job today and thank you for your contribution. It's always <laughs> great, great speaking job. with you. Can we give ourselves a pat on the back? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm going to say today's episode is brought by uh, brought to you by Rural Succession Solutions and Murdoch Lawyers, Juanita Maiden. So, thanks, Juanita. See you next week. Bye now. Oops, hold on. I've got to press this button and play this. Thanks.